0: Psalm 119 as we look at God's Word together. Is anybody else happy it's, the sun is shining outside today? One of the first Sundays we've had that. That's good. Isn't it warm? Only in Louisiana in 24 hours it can go from 25 degrees to 70 degrees, right? Only in the state of Louisiana. And some of us are still facing the consequences because of those things. You can probably hear that in my voice this morning, but I'm certainly thankful to God that he's given us this opportunity to come and to worship together. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about the word. We've talked about the truth, the authoritative truth for our lives. And in the next uh, couple weeks, we're wrapping this series up but I believe it has been such a rich and blessed study for us as we've talked about the Word and the, the truthfulness of it and how it impacts us. Last week in particular, we talked about how we got to the truth. And I s- suggested just a few simple steps of getting to the truth of the Scripture for us as we would read it, as we would study it, and then certainly as we would internalize it into our lives. But it's not just about getting it into us. When we read the word, when we study the truth, it is not simply about us uh, getting it, but it's about us getting it through ourselves. In other words, God working in us and us in our lives demonstrating the truth to others. And that's where I want us to talk about today is this idea of living the truth or truthful living. And again, as we've looked in the last few weeks, Psalm 119 here gives us an example of how we would live the truth and we see the testimony of the psalmist. I want you to begin reading along silently as I read it aloud as we look at verse 105 through verse 112 it says there your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous judgments I'm afflicted very much Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, I pray, the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your judgments. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not strayed from your precepts. Your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes, Forever to the very end. Again, you see the psalmist as he expresses his heart for God's word, for God's truth. And really, you see a commitment that is made to living the truth. Now, all of us, every day, there's a challenge in our lives to not only know the truth, but to live the truth to be about truthful living each and every day. Now, that's a challenge for me. I'm sure it's probably a challenge for you, is that we're going to live the truth. It's not just about knowing the truth. Many of us can can talk about the truth and what we believe and the doctrine, and we, we can get all those things situated. But there's something about living the truth every day that can be a challenge to us. I mean, Again, many of us can answer the questions right on the test. It's another thing to put it into practice, right? Well, look, if you will, at these words that the psalmist give, as he gives us today. And notice that when you see the psalmist speaking about living the truth, he, he'll really give us some insight. He, he'll give us, I think, three ways in which we can live the truth every day. First of all, if we're going to live the truth of God's word in our lives we've got to make a commitment to the truth. We've got to make a commitment to the truth. Notice what the psalmist says. The psalmist obviously says your word is a lamp to my feet and light unto my path. I have reverence for your word. I know what your word can do. I know how the scripture can speak to me. But notice in verse 106 he says, I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous judgments. Here, He says, I am making a commitment to your word. And I'm making a commitment to do what I'm supposed to do. Now, you know, commitments are still important. Just as the psalmist made a commitment to the word, it's still important for us to come to a place in our lives where we make commitments. Personal, wholehearted commitments. I mean... It is something that we reflect in who we are, and we want to be all in. We want to make sure that all of our lives are committed to this. Now, we, all, we always make certain types of commitments, right? We say we want to do certain things, and, but they're not always wholeheartedly. Let me give you an example. Just in the last few weeks, I have noticed how God has blessed me since I've been in Rustin. And I've been blessed so much that my waistline has expanded, I believe. <clears throat> Leslie and I have been talking about that our scales are in storage, and that's probably a good thing in some ways. We're, we're almost concerned about when we move in about where these scales are going to go. I went to the doctor this week, obviously, and Tried to get some uh, medicine, get some things situated with my voice and be prepared for today. I stepped on the scales. I forgot I had to go through that process there at the doctor's office. (laughs) After I recovered from that experience and I finally saw the doctor, I realized that, you know, I needed to do something. And Leslie and I, we've talked over the last few weeks. We've been so blessed that maybe what we need to do is begin a diet. Begin exercise. We've got to lose some weight. That's what we've said. Commitment? No commitment. We say that's what we're going to do, but we're not all in. It's not a wholehearted thing. You know what those kinds of commitments are. We see those kinds of commitments all the time. They're commitments where we say that's what we want to do, but there's really no follow-through. There's no follow-through with a commitment. It wasn't really, we weren't all in. That was just thinking that's what we should do, but we're not, our heart's not there. And when you look at this passage, you will see a personal, wholehearted commitment to God's Word. And you've got to make a commitment. You know, there has to be a decision that's made in our lives. Are we going to follow God's law and God's truth for us, or are we not? And we say, well, if if we decide we're just going to settle on the fence, we still have made a decision. You have to say yes or no to God's word in your life. And you have to make a commitment to it. You have to make a decision. And it has to be a personal decision. Notice that this whole psalm expresses the personal testimony of the psalmist. I mean, it's the personal testimony. One of the reasons I think that we love the psalms so much is because they are personal. It's like somebody is standing giving their testimony. Some of you have been in testimonial services before. I remember growing up. On Sunday nights, every now and then, the preacher would say something like, we're going to have a testimonial service. I didn't know if it was because he just had not studied and prepared a message or because he really felt that the God Spirit was leading him to have a testimonial service. But I I remember people standing, and they began talking about their own experience. Some of you remember these moments? And before you know it, what would happen? Well, there would not be a dry eye in the house. Everybody would be crying. Everybody would be thinking about experiences. Why? Because that personal experience of that person had impacted you. Because it wasn't just something that was dry and stale. It was a personal experience. The Psalms, they are personal experiences. Yes, they've been incorporated into the hymn book of Israel, but they were personal experiences from the people that were writing. And for this psalmist, as he reflects upon the word, he's reflecting upon his own testimony and his own personal commitment to God's word. He says, notice in verse 106, I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous judgments. The emphasis is upon his personal decision to commit to God's word and to God's way of life. And there has to be that personal decision that comes in our lives. People have to make decisions for themselves these days. They have to make a personal decision. Will I follow God's word or will I not follow God's word? Now, look, there are moments I wish I could make decisions for folks. Haven't you had those kinds of moments? I mean, sometimes I can look out into a congregation, especially around the invitation time, and it looked like a certain person needs to come. Not just because I can tell by the expression on their face or sometimes by the white of their knuckles that I see on the bench or the pew in front of them. And what I would love to do is just go get them and bring them to the front. I don't do that, but that's what you'd like to do because you'd like to make the decision for them. How many parents have been in my office before wanting to make decisions for their children or their grandchildren? They want to help them. They want to decide if they could only make the decision for them, that they would follow the Lord. But you, as well as I know that there comes a time when the children, the grandchildren will make their own decision, their own personal decision. How many times in my life, in my ministry, can I think back upon talking with a husband and a wife and hearing their story, hearing their strained relationship, and so many times wanting to be able to make the decision for the husband that he will do what he should do and follow through with his marriage How many times have I wanted to do that as a pastor, just making the decision for them, but then only to be reminded that each person has to make his or her own decision about whether they will follow Christ or they will not. And here, I am reminded, as I look in Psalm 106, this psalmist says, I've sworn, I've made this pledge, I've made this commitment to the word that if we're going to live truthfully it begins with a personal wholehearted decision and commitment to follow him and to follow his word for our lives and as i said it's not just a personal thing but it has to be a wholehearted decision a wholehearted decision you can't just half-heartedly follow god god doesn't want that some of the pastors uh, that I've respected for so long would say something like he is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. I've heard it many times and that is that he wants to be the Lord of all of our lives. That when we say that we're going to follow him and we're going to make that commitment and we're going to let the word reign in our hearts and lives then that means he's got to be the Lord of all of it. If every area of our lives he's we, we've got to say that we're going to commit To following the word we're going to commit with our business life we're going to commit to our family life we're going to commit to our church life we're going to commit every area of our lives to his word i never forget the way tommy adams put it to me one day tommy was a young man who was attending the church that i was pastoring at the time tommy was sitting in the back one sunday morning he was in his 20s he was married young family, he had been coming, been participating in the service, um, had kind of gotten involved in different uh, activities of the church, and, and, and one Sunday morning, as I finished preaching and I stepped down to give the invitation, Tommy came from my right and walked down the aisle, of course, and when he got to me, he just embraced me. And I'm talking about just had a hold of me. And he began sobbing and and um, and I began trying to talk to him and seeing what kind of decision. I didn't know exactly what it, what was going on in his life. And I remember Tommy telling me that day, he said, Brother Reggie, I want to be all in. I want to be all in. And I said, what are you talking about, man? What, what do you want to? He said, I want to give my life to Christ, and I want to be all in. I've been just giving part of my life here and there, but I want to be all in for Christ to follow him in that commitment. I've never forgotten that, never forgotten that. When I left that church, he sent me a, a text, and he reminded me that we must always be all in in everything that we do. And that's what God wants in our lives. He wants us to be all in. And if we're going to submit to the word, and if we're going to make that personal commitment, it's got to be a wholehearted commitment. Look, people don't like to hear the word commitment these days. And there are a lot of folks today that are avoiding commitments in their lives or giving up on the commitments in their lives. But this is one commitment that we must make if we're going to live the truth we've got to make a commitment to the truth we've got to say we're going to personally decide we're going to follow it and it should be an abiding commitment for our lives notice in verse 112 it says i have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end he says i'm going to keep doing this i'm going to continue to Follow your word, that is a daily decision that is an abiding decision that is made. We have to be constantly reminded that we're just going to follow him. I mean, and look, we come and we give our hearts to him, we're saved we we see God's grace expressed, but that's not the end of our surrender, is it? That's not the end of our decision. Every day, in a sense, has to be a day where we say consciously, God, we will follow you. We will humble ourselves to you, and we will follow you. Every day of our lives. It is an abiding commitment that we make to you. And that should be our heart. That should be our prayer. For example, let's say that... um, I go to Leslie one day and I say to Leslie, I know, Leslie, that I made this commitment to you. It's almost 15 years ago. Is that right? 15 years you've been married to me? 15. You are blessed. I oh, no, I am blessed. <coughs> I am blessed. Almost 15 years we've been married. And I want to come to her and say, you know what? Those 15 years have been good and that's been great and... um." But I think, I I, I think now that's uh, that commitment is about run its course. Wouldn't go over well with her, would it? Wouldn't go over well? No. I remember, Buddy Dayton was an older deacon in our church, and I went to Buddy and I, I said, Buddy, I said, how long have you and Ruth Ann been married? And he said, oh, it's over fifty something years. I said, man, that's awesome. I said, aren't you getting ready to renew your vows? Because, you know, I would go with you to, like, Mexico or somewhere like that or the Caribbean, and you ought to have your pastor there, and we would renew your vows and do that kind of stuff. And Buddy said, "Um, what do you mean? I said, well, I mean, people do that all the time, Buddy. You didn't know that. They take their preacher with them, and it's a great thing. And (laughs) Renew your vows, he said. And I said, yeah. He said, well, I never knew mine expired. I thought mine were still in effect. And I said, well, you know, I guess you're right. I guess that was just a symbolic thing. You don't just, they don't expire. And the commitment we make, just like I have made a commitment to my wife, and that is a commitment through the thick and thin and through whatever else we face in life, that is a commitment. There's a commitment that is an abiding commitment we make to God and to follow his word. But again, it, it begins with a personal decision. And people need to decide, will will you follow him and his word or will you not? It is that simple in our lives. Will we follow him or will we not? And will it be the abiding commitment for who we are? That's the psalmist. The psalmist says, I have sworn and confirmed that I'm going to do this. He says, I'm going to do it to the end. It is going to be an abiding commitment in my life. So make a commitment. If you want to be about truthful living and living the truth, just make a commitment. Make a commitment up first and assess the value of a commitment and what it means. May I say this to you? That when we break the commitments of our lives, each time we break a commitment that we made, we lose a little bit of our identity. That's the reason we see so many broken homes today and people that are continuing to look for things in their lives, is because they have broken lifelong vows, oaths, and commitments. And they've lost a little bit of themselves. I'm not saying that God can't bring forgiveness, and God can't uh, take broken, uh, broken individuals and, and mend them. But there's a little bit that is lost. And I would say to you that when you make this commitment... That you make it with all of your heart. You follow the truthful living. And that you honor that commitment in your life. Number two. This is what I would encourage you to do. Just as the psalmist did. After you make the commitment. Ask God for help. In truthful living. Some of you say again. Brother Reggie that seems so simple. I mean. I'm expecting a little more from you on Sunday morning. Than you just telling me to ask God for help. But I want you to note. That's, a, that's about as simple and that is about as pointed as I think I can put it this morning is that there are days you still have to ask God for help. This psalm, this writer here has reminded us time and time again that he prays for God to continue to help and teach. Notice in verse 108, he says, Except I pray the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord. In other words, I'm laying my life before you. And teach me your judgments. Teach me your judgments. Here he is praying throughout this psalm. And I appreciate a couple of folks last week emailed me and said uh, that they read all of Psalm 119 when they went home. And they focused a little bit on it. If you read it all, you'll see that that is the heart of this psalmist. That he is wanting to pray and to seek God and to seek his help. Help in truthful living. We are dependent upon God's revelation for us. Would we agree in that? That we're dependent upon God's salvation. We're dependent upon God to reveal himself to us and to show us that we're sinners and that we must come to him in faith and trust him. We're dependent upon him to do that. We were dependent upon him to take to send his one and only son, Christ, to die for us. He took the initiative, and that's what he did. Well, look, just as we're dependent upon him for salvation we're still dependent upon him for service we're still dependent upon him for our life of truth and how we live every day when you're saved you do not leave your dependency upon christ rather you learn daily how dependent you truly are upon him there's so many people that are trying to do it on their own they're trying to live on their own even christians who, who say, oh, now I can just do it on my own. I can make it happen. God save me and I can just do it on my own. And they grow so frustrated because they cannot. God didn't want you to do it on your own. God allowed the Holy Spirit of God to live within you. And the Holy Spirit lives within you to empower you every day to live a life of truth. If you try to do it on your own, you're going to be frustrated You're going to be burned out. You're going to throw your hands up. But when you realize that God is there to empower you through the Holy Spirit, you can live a life of truth. You can live a life of truth. And you can express truth in your life. So I would say to you, ask God for help. Demonstrate your dependency every day. And third, and finally, I'd say this to you just do it just live a life of truth now again commit yourself to a life of truth ask God for help as you live a life of truth but in the end as you recognize God's help and strength in your life just do it sounds like a Nike commercial doesn't it just do it isn't that what we just want to say sometimes to folks Just live the life of truth. Here he says, I've inclined again my heart to perform your statutes. I've turned my heart and I've made the decision and I'm determined I'm going to do it. That's what he says. It doesn't mean that you won't fail sometimes. There are going to be moments. There are moments in this preacher's life where he fails. I don't know if the search committee told you that up front. But I can attest to it, personally. There are moments that I will fail. There are moments that you will fail. That you will fail. But what God wants us to do is determine in our hearts: we're going to live by the Word. We're just going to do it. It's interesting. You turn over to James. I think it was a memory verse for us in our Sunday school classes this week. James, chapter one, James. I would identify it as wisdom literature of the New Testament. Just as I've told you, Psalm 119 is wisdom, a wisdom psalm. It's interesting that James is also wisdom literature and touches on the, some of the same core issues. And this is what James said. James said in chapter 1, verse 22, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So in other words, what he said to us is that you not only hear the word and get the truth and understand the truth, but he says, you do it. You just do it. And God wants us to be people that are committed, that understand God's help in our lives, and that we would just do it. don't you know that God looks at us sometimes and he just wonders why don't they just do it I I mean don't you think every night all right come on some of us who are parents or grandparents you ever been frustrated before with children why don't they just do it and sometimes I think God looks at us and now he knows us much better than we know even our children but He says why don't they just do it because look this is what the word is given to us for it is not again for us just to have knowledge but it is for us to have the knowledge that will impact our hearts that will transform our lives it will change us that same passage james chapter one where he says that we should be doers and not just hearers he says that we should see what how the word would be applied to our hearts and that we would be transformed And, and it's interesting He actually describes the scripture, the word in James 1. He describes it as being a mirror for us. In other words, we can look into the mirror and we can see who we are and we can make the changes. Now, let me ask this question. How many of you looked in the mirror this morning? Could you look at your neighbor and say, thank God for mirrors? Yeah. Yeah. I looked in the mirror this morning. It's amazing what happens to you overnight, isn't it? I've said to myself, there have got to be these little fairies that come in during the night and disfigure my face or... I mean, I get up in the morning and my hair is not exactly where it was. When I went to bed, there are things that are on my face that I'd rather not talk about publicly. There are just, it's just something. I mean, I've gotten where literally I just kind of, I creep up to the mirror now. You know, I don't even, I've got to get myself prepared. Because you look at the mirror and you try to fix imperfections. That's what you do. It's interesting Because, again, in James 1, it says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. He says, in other words, a hearer just comes and sees the word and he hears what he's supposed to do, and he he looks and he can see what he should do, but then he just walks away. He doesn't accomplish anything. He doesn't fix anything in his life. He just walks away. But he who looks, notice in James one twenty five, he says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. The idea is that he gazes upon it. He tries to seek what he should do. He said, he is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. That there's blessing that comes out of that that here is an individual that comes and he looks into the law and he sees what he's supposed to do and he does it. He transforms. He, there are imperfections. All of us have imperfections. All of us have imperfections. No matter how old, no matter how long that we've been believers, there's are still imperfections in our lives. And when we look into the word, we see those imperfections. And it is not just to condemn us, but it is to help to show us the things that we need to change and transform. And the things we need to do. To do. So we just do it. Can't we just say that? I know we live in a culture today that seems like you can't just... But we need to just do it sometimes. We see who we are. We know what we need to do. We just need to do it. Someone has said, but there's so much in the Bible that I do not understand. Mark Twain was once reportedly said, it's not the part of the Bible that I do not understand that troubles me. It's the part of the Bible that I do understand that troubles me. And what he meant by that, What it is, the things that I know that I need to do are the things that I know I'm not accomplishing. And isn't that the case for so many of us? Instead of us worried about some of the things we don't understand, how about the things we know? I'm convinced that more of us know things that we should be doing than what we'd like to confess to. The word is clear on so many of these things. The word is clear in how I should love my wife as Christ loved the church. The word is clear on the way I should care for my children. The word is clear on the way I should speak truth in my business. The word is clear on the way I should demonstrate kindness and love to other individuals. These things aren't up for debate. These things are clear. And instead of having to always find some crystal ball where we can try to decide what we should or what we shouldn't, we have the perfect law of liberty that directs us and guides us. And folks, there are times we just should do it. We should just do it. Live a life of truth. Even when other people aren't living a life of truth, God calls us to be faithful and obedient. The psalmist actually says here, My life is continually in my hand. I went and tried to understand that expression. And some of your translations may say something like, My life is actually in danger. My life is in danger. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not strayed from your precepts. In other words, there are people that are disagreeing with the psalmist. There are people that are not living a life like he was, but you know what? He's still committed to the truth. Later on, he'll say in verse 157, Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. I see the treacherous and am disgusted because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O oh Lord, according to your loving kindness. You see, his obedience wasn't based on what everybody else was doing. His commitment to the truth and his living for the truth wasn't based upon what everybody else was doing. I think I shared a couple of Sunday nights ago as I spoke about Noah, about being that faithful one in a corrupt and wicked generation. How God wants us to live like that and just do what's right, even when other people aren't doing what's right. I often remind my children of that. They'll come and there'll be things going on and I'll say, When did you do that? And one will say, well, you know, that's what the other one was, and call them by name and all of that. They're doing that. Constant refrain in my life. Your obedience is not based upon your brother's obedience. Your obedience is not based upon your sister's obedience. You should obey because it is the right thing to do. And listen, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing around you. It doesn't matter about a culture and what they say is right and what they say is wrong. What God wants to do in your life is to see you to be obedient. And you should be obedient Not based upon what everybody else is doing, but based upon what you know you should be doing. You should do what is right. The way to truthful living. I think the psalmist lays it out for us. Make a commitment. Make a commitment. Make a commitment that is personal, wholehearted, and one that abides within. Make a commitment. Ask God for help. You can't do it alone, but God wants to help you. He wants to give you strength. And then when it comes down to it, just do it. Stop making excuses about why you can't live for the truth. Just do it. Be obedient to God. And look, when God invades his people and they live lives of truth, we will see individuals come to know Christ because they will see an honest, authentic witness of Him. People who love Him, are committed to His truth, and are not just hearers of the Word, but they're doers as well. And you'll see a transformation of God's work for His will in our communities, in our nation, and I believe even around our globe, as we see people who are doers of the word. Will you join me as we live truthfully each day before the God above and before the community that we live in?